If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around? Play action. Now he's in trouble, and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, a great competitor. Now he checks it down left side, looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Another week. It's mid-May. The weather is here. Spring is in full swing. Welcome back to the official Colts podcast, brought to you by WinBet, Lair Overton, J.J. Stangovitz, no Jeffrey Gorman today. I'm Matt Taylor. Guys, good to have you back. Larry, you had some track over the weekend, did you not? Yeah, uh, SEC um, Outdoor Track Championships in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. And you guys, this is how much of like a junkie I am for football, no matter where I am. Especially, like, I love to spend, it's it's such an honor and a privilege to get to do this and to get to go to the track meets. But, you know, after three days of track and field, I'm like salivating for a football fix. <laughs> so I go out for a run around this beautiful lake in Baton Rouge and it's so hot. I mean, it's already humid. And of course, Louisiana folks are like, this is nothing yet. Like, wait till July. So I'm out on a run and I see a few folks from the Arkansas track program. And I said, what are you guys doing? And they said, oh, we're going over to find Brian Kelly's house. And I was like, wait, where is it? And they're like, oh, it's like a quarter mile that way. So I'm like, well, now I'm going to CBK's, you know? So I double back and I'm like, just out gawking at this, like, unbelievable. Was Brian Kelly there with his family? With his family. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was pretty funny. I'm glad you said that, JJ, because I I wanted to say it. So So, one of us had to say that, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, here here I am. All right, that's my football fix for this Saturday. Like, literally, like, just uh, checking out, scoping out Brian Kelly's house like a real stalker. Pick up an LSU t shirt while you're there? I may have, so I grabbed one for my dad, and then I have this, um, there's a particular brand of t-shirt, it's called The League, I believe, is like the the brand of this shirt, and they're all very like vintage throwback shirts, mm-hmm. and when I was doing the Olympic trials in Eugene in 2021, I bought, I Ran into the bookstore to get something from my dad, and I was like, oh, this is a cool t-shirt, so I just grabbed this Oregon t-shirt. Well, now, almost every campus I go to, I buy that same brand of t-shirts, because they're very, like, vintage-looking, so... Here, I mean, this is terrible, like, podcast because I can show you guys, and I can't show, obviously, the entire listening audience. But now I have one from Stanford. Mm. I have one from Ole Miss last year. I, ha- I mean, it's the exact same, like, style of T-shirt as well. And then I had to take my dad one because, you know, my dad is how I was introduced to the sport of track and field and why I love it so much. So There you go. Oh, so, yeah, very sharp. So it's the old yeah. school, like the tiger with like the kind of like already it, looks you know. like it's been in the dryer. About oh, hundred percent. Why, do, you know, why don't we? Why do we tie this into some football? Matt Taylor, can you name me the last player the Colts drafted from Louisiana State University? Wow. Uh, shoot, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, give me a year. 2011. Uh, gosh. Darn. Third round pick, 87th overall. Gerard Powers. No, he went to Auburn, right? I don't Drake know. Drake Nevis. Drake, yeah, okay. Holy my. Yeah, nose tackle, right? Yep. Yeah, he was quick guy, quick off the ball. You're Before right. that was, obviously, Joseph Adai. That's still fresh in your mind, all that draft, those draft articles you put out a couple <laughs> of years ago. It took, it took me, while Lara was looking for her T-shirt, it took me about 30 seconds to go on Stathead and pull up Colts players uh, drafted out of LSU. There you That's go. cool. For a little bit of trivia. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's so good to be back. I was eager to get back and good to have glad to be back. Good there, to have you guys. guys here. We are loaded today. We're going to take a look at the, the Colts' unofficial depth charts in the spring, discuss where some of these rookies fall in unofficially. Uh, we'll also play a round of failed it or nailed it regarding the NFL schedule that just came out. We'll talk about some big picture stuff, and then we'll also catch up with this. You guys are going to love this guy. Special guest, former Colts defensive end, Bjorn Werner. Lara, remember Bjorn? Absolutely. You covered Bjorn. Sure did. We'll chat with Bjorn, a native German, and now a, a he's a German sensation in terms of broadcasting NFL games in his native land in Germany. So we'll talk to him about what the Colts can expect ahead of their trip to Germany later this fall against the Patriots 
in November. He is a significant personality in terms of the rising interest in American football no that you're seeing in Germany. Yeah, he's those playing a big part of those it. Those crowds over in Germany are, are going to be great. Last year, that game in Munich, the Seahawks-Bucks game, that crowd was lit. <laughs> Insane. That game. Yeah. Let's go to the depth chart updates. Uh, we got veterans and rookies intermixing on the field for the first time this week. OTAs are going to start next week, but uh, with vets and rookies on the field for the first time here this week, let's take a look at some of the areas of the Colts' unofficial depth chart and discuss where some of these first-year players might slot in. Let's go. We're going to take a look at wide receiver, offensive tackle, and then we'll uh, transition that into the cornerback too deep. So, J.J., when you look at the wide receiver too deep right now, you got Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, Mike Strawn's coming back, Ashton Doolin, and then there's the rookie Josh Downs. Where does Josh Downs fall into the, the pecking order as of right now with this first week going on with vets and rookies? Yeah, it's going to be direct competition with Isaiah McKenzie Jr. in there. And you look at kind of how both those players are utilized. Last year, Isaiah McKenzie played about 75% of his snaps in the slot for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Downs, last year for North Carolina, played about 81% of his snaps in the slot. So those are primarily majority slot guys, and that makes sense, right? They're they're undersized traditionally for a receiver, so because of that, you don't want them playing on the line of scrimmage where they can get pressed. They use their short area quickness to get open where you, you, know, you can't get hands on them in the slot. So I think those two guys competing is going to be really healthy because McKenzie's a good player. He's he's made some plays in the NFL. He's He's got run-after-the-catch ability. Mm-hmm. He's shifty. You can do some different gadgety-type things with him. Josh Downs, that short area quickness, the good hands, um, are, are all things that Reggie Wayne really liked in him coming out of North Carolina. So those two guys competing, I think you'll you'll bo- you'll see them both take the field this year, but right now you're competing for a snap share probably. Yeah, in the slot. I would agree with that. All right, Larry, let's go to offensive tackle. you got Bernard Ryman, Braden Smith, Blake Freeland, and Jordan Murray. And again, by the way, we're just giving you the – what we think is the too deep as of right now. This is as unofficial as it gets. Before we talk about Blake Freeland, Lara, how much more comfortable? I know you weren't here last week in terms of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday doing track, like we said, but I know you saw the Bernard Ryman press conference. How much more comfortable do you think Bernard Ryman looks and feels at this point in the offseason compared to at the end of last year? Well, I also went out to practice yesterday to try to get a few looks at this as well as guys were getting, you know, back in and everything off of the weekend. And I think you're seeing significant growth in terms of confidence and familiarity for Bernard Ryman. I also think that he is one who can really thrive with the guidance of Tony Sperano Jr. I really like his coaching style in per- in particular how it pertains to this group and be I mean he is totally hands-on um and how he coaches and how he is guiding that group and I think that someone like Bernard who still has so much football to learn and so much growth and so much potential because you know he came into the game much later and really all through his college career was still learning the offensive line positions and learning how to uh, take advantage of his skill set and at left tackle. So I do think you're going to see immense growth when we get out there and you get into the like veteran mini camp and you know all of those phases and then leading into uh, training camp as well. The the real quick thing on Bernard Ryman is last year he he didn't get his butt kicked. Like he he had some snaps where he admitted, you know, yeah, I lost those reps and those led to sacks. But if you look at it, Bernard Ryman allowed the fewest pressures of any regular rookie starting offensive lineman in the NFL last year, 27. That tells you that on a down-to-down basis, he was playing pretty well, but he needs to clean up the mistakes that were catastrophic, that Mm -hmm. led to the sacks, that lead people to think, man, this guy stinks. He doesn't stink. He's pretty good. If you look at him over this course of a full game, the the thing he mentioned too also he put on 15 pounds this oh he looks so much that bigger. is that is a big difference for him because jj Blake, didn't you think he just looked bigger absolutely. in terms of the upper yes. body like traps and yep. shoulder area yep play strength is a big deal for bernard ryman mm-hmm. and putting on 15 pounds the when the colts draft these guys who maybe need to put on some weight like blake freeland who we'll get to mm-hmm. they do it believing that they can Looking at you know some uh, you know some profiles of them leading up to the draft, they they look at these guys and say if he's going to put on weight, it's going to be good weight. 
And Bernard Ryman putting on 15 pounds, that is good weight. Well, you look at the resources that you have different from college to the NFL, even if you are at a larger program i mean just in terms of the strength training and the nutrition and all of those things where they can you know they very much identify and specify and personalize these whole training plans yeah. to allow you to be able to do that so it's hard when i mean your rookie year i was thinking about this with these guys going through it right now you come off of your college season some of them playing bowl games and all of that and you go straight into your pre-draft process the combine training pro day training all of that you get drafted by a team then you show up at the facility about four days later you start going through that process there is no break for these guys to truly get kind of immersed right. in utilizing right, yeah. all of the things that are around them then you're expected to step in and play, and then you're playing a, a, a football season a, that's like a third longer than what you're used to. Yeah, at least. And, and if you're a guy who's playing left tackle, it's a pivotal position in the yeah. game too. He needed to improve his footwork. He needed to gain weight. That's what the Colts laid out for him in the off season, and you can tell he's definitely been grinding. And considering how much Bernard cares about being good. And the fact that he put it all together towards the end of last season, like you said, J.J., there's a lot of arrows pointing up for Bernard Ryman, so that was really good to see. Um, again, like we said, Blake Freeland has played left side. He's played right side at BYU. J.J., is Blake Freeland, can you pencil him in as the swing tackle for next season, the guy that's number two to either back up uh, Ber- uh, excuse me, Braden Smith or Bernard Ryman on the left side? Yeah, I mean, I think right now you look at the roster and – you say he's probably in line for that. Um, you know, Jordan Murray, Carter O'Donnell, both on the roster there, um, you know, going to compete at that spot. But the there are free agents available. Like, if the Colts get through the offseason program and you get through veteran minicamp and you say, ah, you know what, he probably needs a year to develop, you can go get a veteran swing tackle. Though There are still a couple of those guys who are available. But if you get to the end of veteran minicamp and you say, all right, like Blake Freeland is is going to be our swing tackle this year. We feel comfortable that he can go in mm-hmm. for Ryman or for Smith and step in and, and get us through a game or two or three or whatever it may be, then that's great. Then you don't have to expend any more resources at that position. One other thing, just to you know, I'm not I don't know if this is gonna happen. Oh, I know I where see, you're going here. You know where I'm going I, with I this. I think so. I think so. What if your best five yeah. What if Blake Freeland's part of your best five? And he's at right tackle. And then you kick Bernard or you kick uh, Braden Smith inside to right guard, yeah, which is where he played in college. And he played a game there last year. Yeah. What yeah. Is I how mean, much that, sense, how much sense would that make considering Braden Smith's going into a sixth season as he's found a home? It, it's best five. It's best five, and you also have a new coaching staff in here with fresh eyes on these guys. Mm-hmm. And if you go in and you say, "Look, our best five is this," yeah, then you go with it. So I think Blake Freeland is not only competing to be your swing tackle, but he could almost be in direct competition with a guy like Will Fries mm-hmm. of who's your best five. Figure that out and go from there. All right, let's go to cornerback too deep. Uh, here, Kenny Moore the second, obviously coming back. Isaiah Rogers heading into a contract year, as is Kenny Moore the second. by the way. Juju Brents, rookie. Dallas Flowers coming back. And then Darius Rush is a rookie, fifth-round draft pick out of South Carolina. And then don't forget about Tony Brown, who contributes also on special teams. So let's go with the rookies, Lair. Do Brents and Rush, do they have a leg up on Rodgers and Flowers because they were drafted, I don't know if specifically is the right word, but they were drafted a year after Gus Bradley has been here for a year, and they drafted big, long, athletic cornerbacks to specifically play in the Gus Bradley Defense. Do they have a leg up on Rodgers and Flowers because of their physical dimensions, if you will? I think that's part of it. I really do. I think that they were drafted with a vision for how they fit mm-hmm. and the immediate impact that they can make. And you also saw the fact that the positions in terms of when Isaiah Rogers was starting or kind of how his playing time shook out. Same thing with Dallas Flowers. Flowers was obviously incredibly impactful on special teams as well. You know, it's interesting that it seemed like last year Isaiah Rogers never really solidified 
that starting spot. Um, so I do think that there is a lot to be seen. I think that's probably one of the more intriguing position battles as you go through the late spring and the summer building into and throughout the preseason, exactly what that group looks like. Now, worth noting, we haven't seen Brent's yet because right. he had that surgery uh, coming out of his college season. So we actually haven't gotten eyes on exactly the work that he's been doing with his group. But right. Guys, I will tell you, when I was watching yesterday, and I spent a lot of time watching the secondary, Juju Brents wasn't just standing out there observing from the sidelines. What he would do is he was going back and kind of, you know, mirroring the guys in the drills that they were in and walking through as best he could in real time with exactly what they were doing. So it's certainly an eager aspect of this defense for him to be able to go in and without restriction and see what he is able to do. But, yeah, I, I do think that some of these rookies might have a bit of a leg up, not just in terms of the physical attributes, but just in terms of no one's really locked up the starting job at the end of 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's Kenny Moore, and then it's open season for these guys. And, you know, Kenny Kenny could start outside. He could start in the slot. Like, he's going to be on the field this year. But then the other positions there, if you're in nickel, that's two spots, two yep. outside spots that are wide open. And I think, Larry, your point about, about Juju Brents, he, he's not participating fully yet. But it was a what was it a hand? I believe it was uh, a hand. Wrist. Yes. So he can okay. he can he can do some of the footwork stuff. He yeah. can do the the stuff that involves your lower body. He just can't jam and press. Which by the way is one of the things he's the best at mm-hmm. is playing press coverage. So getting him with Ron Milas and and getting some of those techniques down. So when he gets to training camp, he can really hone in on how to use his hands. That's something that Rick Venturi talked about on Inside Football with Rick Venturi last week. Um, just about how, you know, Brent's needs to be a technician with his hands. His hand placement has to be perfect. Yep. You get the footwork stuff down now, if you can work on that, then, you know, really get into your hand placement, how you strike those things when you get into training camp with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying don't don't sleep on Darius Rush. I mean, yeah, like you said, yeah. I mean, with, with Brent's not being able to fully be out there, and I'm not saying Brent's can't make up that time in training camp when he comes back. I think that he can. But for rookies, man – Darius Rush is going to get a big-time opportunity here because it's all about reps for rookies, live action, acclimating to the NFL. And and Rush has everything you want in a corner to play under Gus Bradley. Big, strong, athletic, fast, good footwork, press off the line, and he's healthy. That's sort of the leg up he has right now over a guy like Juju Brent. So don't underestimate the amount of time that Rush is going to see in the spring and how much that matters, and maybe that might give him a slight leg up on paper on the depth chart going into training camp. Isn't Darius Rush just also such a great football name? Mm. Like, oh, it's a great and a good football. interview, too. I mean, yeah. just, just, I mean just, you know, yeah. like just the, the name alone, you're like, oh, man, that's just a I great I guess it would be like, better if he was a running back. I could see that, yeah. yeah. I mean, like if, but, his, if his name was like Darius to Rush. Pass Breakup or something, <laughs> that'd be pretty PBU. good. Yeah. <laughs> but like EJ Speed, another great another, football yeah, name. No We're doubt. full of them here. I know. No yeah. doubt. I yep. know. Sorry, those are the weird things Like when I look over the roster. I'm I like, like oh, it. Great football name. All right, let's switch over to Failed It or Nailed It. Uh, failed It, like you guys thought of me dabbing my mediocre cuts of oh, steak and no. ranch. Oh, it's bad. Uh, or Nailed It, like a cold beer on a summer evening oh. next to the pool. All right? Oh, my. Those are the two drastic differences here. <laughs> Failed it or nailed it with the NFL schedule <laughs> two ends makers. Of the spectrum no right doubt. There, yeah. All right, so the Colts, they're going to play two AFC South games to start the season Oof. for the second straight year. They also play four of their first six against the division, and they don't have a single prime time game all season long. The Colts are one of four teams that were not given a primetime game. The Falcons, Cardinals, Texans being the others. Lara, did the schedule makers fail it or nail it in that regard? I think that's pretty much where we expected what we thought. I mean, J.J. predicted no primetime games, and we kind of had our you know wagers on exactly mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And we talked about, I, you know, I even said in our conversation two weeks ago, I thought they were going to open against Jacksonville. I'm glad it's at home. Glad they're not playing in Jacksonville week one, my mm-hmm. goodness. But... Yeah, I think it's it's kind of what you expected when the Colts obviously had a number of primetime opportunities last year, and those were certainly not stellar television viewing. Um, yeah, you know, in it those did not transpire. That yeah, way. so I yeah, I think that that's fine, and I'm okay with it. I think that like it's a team that is going to 
have to and wants to earn the opportunity to play in prime time. And I, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I think everything kind of shook out. Um, I felt like pretty fair. There was nothing that I looked at and thought, oh man, that's a that's terrible. Um, I like having the bye week after the trip overseas to play the international game. And then I also liked coming off the bye week, you get a game at home. Yeah. Yeah. JJ, I, what do you make of all of the AFC South games I, though? That that part of it though, I'm just like it's two straight years now. The Colts played five yeah. of their uh, six AFC South games in the first seven weeks of last season. Right. This year they're playing four of their six AFC South games in the first six weeks of the season. To me, that's sort of, okay, you better get off to a hot start then. Mm-hmm. And and it, last year when they didn't, it was like. Right. I think think of everything that happened. That's when chaos ensued. Right. Think you know? of everything that happened after that week seven game. The, the Tennessee the Titans, the Titans yeah. game. That's Ryan when it was got dominoes. Benched. Marcus right. Brady got fired. Frank Reich got fired in three consecutive weeks. Right. Because when you when you're one three and one in the division after seven yeah. weeks, everything's on the table. I, no one's getting fired this year in the middle of the season. Uh, but this is going to be a a real test for the Colts now. Of how do you handle the first six weeks? And the interesting thing, like there are so many different ways this could go. What if Gardner Minshew starts the season and the Colts get off to a really hot start, and all of a sudden, it's which like, could very well happen. Which could very well happen. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. All of a sudden, you get to week seven. And and happy you're like, birthday, Gardner Minshew! Hey, by happy the way. birthday, Gardner! Yes. Happy birthday, Gardner! <laughs> Strum along uh, on your guitar, chill in your van. You know, yeah. ha- do whatever you're. I don't you think he's got the van it. anymore. I think no. he sold it. Yeah. Oh. Well, whatever. Like if if he gets gets off to a hot start, are we going to get in a situation where? It's like you can't get him out of the lineup because you're leading the division. Uh, th- yeah. There's going to be real things for Shane Steichen to really consider, and obviously th- that'd be a good problem to have. Um, but the the way that the schedule shakes out, I just I kind of wish it was maybe a little more dispersed, um, where you maybe you would get mm-hmm. two of your AFC South games in the first six, and then you get another two in the next six, and then another right. two in the last five, or just something like that. Um, it just it doesn't render the second half of the season meaningless at all, but it just kind of you just hope gra- that hole's not that big. Yeah, and like the but also the gravity of divisional games late in the season. Right, those games There's those are the most those are the most fun games. Sure. you can play in, and to only get two of those, um, you know, even in 2021 when the Colts were were rolling, you know, they they were done with the Titans after week eight, mm-hmm. and you would have thought, man, like a week 15 Colts Titans game that year would have been a lot of fun. You know, I you get you get the Titans later in the season this year. Um, I just yeah, I kinda, I'm kind of left wanting more of that. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one. I've I've got thoughts. I've got feelings here. So this year's schedule includes three Mondays with games that are going to be on the same or at the same time. On two Mondays, they're staggered by an hour, and then on the final Monday when they're doing this, they start at the same time. What are we doing? So okay, I'm glad you feel this way. And week two. <laughs> Saints, Panthers, ESPN, and then Browns, Steelers uh, at 8.15 on ABC the next Monday or the next time they do this. Eagles, Bucks at 7.15 on ABC. Then Rams at Bengals at 8.15 on ESPN. And then at week 14, you have a pair of games that start at 8.15. It's Titans, Dolphins, and then Packers, Giants. I'm saying they failed this one because the beauty of Monday was that you were the only game on. Right, I mean, all eyes on you. Why, why water down the product? Why take away the uniqueness and the uh, sanctity of Monday Night Football by putting multiple games on at the same time? I mean, do you guys have time to watch an entire Monday Night Football game when the Colts aren't on? I mean, how often do you guys do that? Uh, uh, I do every a week. lot. Every do you? Week. Yeah. Here's why I'm excited about maybe, it. Maybe I'm in the minority. Here's but, why they nailed keep, it. Keep Monday special. Two, two of these three games start at 7.15 p.m. That's great. I can go to bed at a normal time after watching a Monday night football game. Now, will I? But Probably gotta, not, because then, then I'm going to watch the end yeah. of Brown Steelers and Rams Bengals. But if those games are blowouts, then... Eh, really? You're staying up for Brown Steelers? Wow. You're better man. We play just, both of those teams. <laughs> I just feel, Lara, I mean, I feel like Sunday night, Sunday night is now the big night oh, of the week. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And now yeah. with this, to me, it, it makes Monday night feel even less I'm of a, a real, big deal. I'm a real big fan of the Thursdays, by the way, too. Yeah. I really like the third, like, uh, to me now, the hierarchy of, like, the night games goes Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night. I, I, think, yeah. I think for me, I'm, I'm in a better uh, viewing opportunity on Thursday night. 
Yeah. Selfishly, the workflow on right. Thursday is not nearly as crazy as right. it is on Monday, Tuesday. Sure. Well, or you're, or you're Sunday kicking off, You're kicking off the week of football. I'm still trying to figure out who bought Gardner Minshew's van. He was selling it for twenty five k. That is a real opportunity a for some. I that's, know. That's a I'm gonna. You know, when Gardner talks this week, we might have to ask. You got to ask this. him. Yeah, gotta ask sorry, him. guys. That's a detour. But yeah, now I'm down a rabbit I, hole. I, I kind of I get it though with these double headers. But I don't know. The more football I get to watch, the better. And I can't really watch football on Sundays outside of Sunday night football. Yep. So I guess I'm not super mad about it. I don't like that you that you're gonna make people choose between like watching games. You know what I mean? Like it just like we already yeah. do that for we already do that for the one o'clock games and the four o'clock games where like it dictates you know where things are going mm-hmm. and then I, I don't know. Well, this is actually selfishly this works out okay in my house because we installed when we did our home reno. We now have three TVs in the living room. It's, it's like sweet. it's like Buffalo Wild Wings. Pretty sweet. So we will be able to watch multiple You'll be able to toggle. simultaneously. Yeah, we can just toggle it. between the two. Like so it. actually, from a personal sense, I'm actually I'm okay with that. But yeah, it just seems it seems a little crowded. You know, All just right. that's my yeah. my opinion. Speaking of crowded, Christmas Day is now crowded. Final one, NFL now with Christmas playing on Monday. Christmas yep. falls on a Monday this year. So there's going to be a Monday, Christmas Day triple header. You're going to have Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Ravens, 49ers. Uh, JJ, did the schedule makers fail it or nail it? Do we need that much football on Christmas Day? Yes. I don't know if they nailed it on the opponents because last year the games were Packers, Dolphins, Rams, Broncos, and Cardinals, Bucks. And by the time you got to that Cardinals Bucks game after the Rams beat the Broncos like fifty-two to fourteen, it was just like, oh, I actually, I, I have no interest in watching these two games, these two teams. And it was a bad football game. And you know what? I still did. I watched it. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it, Larry. We had games on on Tuesdays yes. and Wednesdays during the pandemic yep. because of scheduling. You know, with with breakouts and stuff like that, and we still watched those games. Still got great ratings. That Ravens Steelers game that was on like a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Well, I was locked into that. I and, was too. And the big question is, if okay, so this year it's on a Monday. Next year, Christmas is going to be on a Tuesday. Will the NFL continue to put games on Christmas Day starting next year on a non-typical football game day? Tuesday's tough. Because that really just wrecks the whole week leading into and the week after, kind of. You know, like that Tuesday but if, is. But if the ratings are good enough, I oh man, I do love. We're gonna watch. I do love Christmas Day football because there's always Christmas Day NBA, and it's so much different because late December in the NBA, there aren't like critical games at that point right like you're you're well before the all-star break and, and all of those things this is in turn I mean this is the meat of the NFL calendar right where you know you're up for you're trying to position yourself for playoff positioning division titles all of those things so I love that I, I'm a big fan of it. The Tuesday is a little precarious yeah. in my book. Though. I'm not sure if they can pull it off after this year. I mean, it, it's nice when it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and those are traditional uh, mm-hmm. football game days. You can get away with that, but I don't know if play on Tuesday the other, and then play Saturday, Sunday, I should say. Like, are you week. also going to have, are there going to be, like, those, like, kind of off bowl games happening then, too? Like, are you going to have some of those? Yeah. Uh, I got I to gotta tune know? into the Bahamas Bowl, baby. Yeah, like, is that, but I'm just thinking <laughs> about, like, for, for TV purposes. <laughs> the big like, boy like, mowers bowl or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Bad boy mowers, excuse me. I like it. Well, one thing about the schedule that we are incredibly excited about, again, is that Colts trip to Germany against the Patriots week 10, mid-November. And no one better to talk about the Colts playing overseas and heading to Germany than former Colts defensive end Bjorn Werner, a native German, grew up in Berlin, still heavily involved in the NFL in Germany, calling NFL games as a color commentator on German television. He's a superstar over there. So without further ado, here's my conversation earlier today with Bjorn Werner about the Colts' upcoming trip to Germany this fall. All right, joining us now, former Colts defensive end, Bjorn Werner. Bjorn joining us from Germany and his hometown of Berlin this morning. Bjorn, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, time. it's been too long, man. It's it's great to hear your infectious voice. You can 
you can feel that attitude of yours, you know, coming through the phone line here as we make this call internationally. So before we get into the excitement of the Colts coming to Germany this fall, let's talk about you, Bjorn. How are you and, and what are you up to these days? Tell us kind of what life is like for you now. Oh man, it's uh, it's 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 been a quite a quite a journey, you know, coming from Germany, going over to play high school ball, college ball, and then for the Colts, and then like two three years after the Colts, I, I moved back to Germany, um, back to my hometown Berlin, where my wife is from as well, mm-hmm. and uh, we we have two kids, two daughters that that were born in Carmel, Indiana. So, oh uh, man, congratulations and, on that! And, yes, uh, and then we kind of just moved back once the whole football journey was done. We decided to kind of go back home and, and obviously be close to the families. And then I kind of got into the whole, obviously, my American football has been my life. And, and right now it's my life, you know. So I was, um, I'm very involved in the whole media stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a color analyst here for the German TV station, calling games, um, you know, growing, growing the game over here overseas, you know, because the game was so good to me and I would love to just be a part of the journey continuing forward just making it grow even more, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been, it's kind of, I live, I always explain it like I'm living the dream after the dream. My dream <laughs> wasn't to play in the NFL. I know it. And yeah. um, I, I was able to do that. Um, obviously, I would have loved to have a way longer career, but the body eventually said, man, you're done now. So um, I wish I could have done that. But, you know, sometimes life kind of, you know, like closes the door and another door opens up and then now like, I'm sitting here at home right now talking to you, talking about international games in Germany. You know, like, right, what? Right. Like, this is so crazy. And now, like, you guys, the Colts, uh, my former team, are coming over to play the Patriots. It's just, it's kind of surreal, I'll be honest. Like, back in the day, I would have loved to play in that game, you know, <laughs> being part of the Colts at home in front of the home fans. But um, I'm excited for everybody who's on the roster right now, all the coaches, all the, everybody who's allowed to come over because it's a great experience. I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, let let's stay there. I mean, how did you get in? How did you get involved in broadcasting? And I guess for for the ignorance of of not knowing the full details <laughs> of that, Bjorn. I mean, what what is what is the market for uh, American football on television? in Germany and I guess the the last question which is a loaded question I understand but how do you, how do you perform uh broadcasting in Germany for American football on a week to week basis Yeah so um the last 10 years uh, a TV station called ProSieben had the rights to show one game in the in the 1 p.m. slot and one game in the second slot and all the playoffs games uh and the Super Bowl mm-hmm. so I just started like once I was done and moving over here, I, w- you know, I was like, man, let me try this. Let me get into it. Let me see if I like also talking about the game, you know, maybe let- see if the fans like it. And-, and when I started, I mean, the growth every year in TV viewership, it's-, it's tremendous here in Germany. This is why Germany is the biggest market outside of North America for the NFL. And um, the-, the-, the German people just, I guess, love the sport. And uh, it's amazing to see that back in the day, like, I don't know, like 15 years ago, I'm 32 now. Like, when I started playing when I was 12 years old, I started playing flag football, and then with 14, I played tackle football. Right. I was carrying my shoulder pads and my helm, helmet uh, through, the, to the, through the underground, through the train stations, and people were thinking I play ice hockey, you know? And now, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now like, you, you see so many people on the streets wearing NFL merchandise, mm-hmm. and the excitement, obviously, from last year's game. Everybody in the U.S. who follows American football, the NFL, knew about the Munich game, like what kind of event that was. Because I, I saw it, like like we were close with, you know, Colleen Wolf, Willie McGuinness, yeah. um, Joe Thomas, all these guys who came over, who've yeah. been part of the broadcasting from the NFL Network or the other TV channels. They were so surprised how amazing this was, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I, just, I just wanted to be part of it. So I kind of applied, but they kind of reached out to me. And then I, kind, I guess my role grew bigger and break, bigger from year to year. We have uh, one of the guys who I'm doing the TV with, and me have the biggest sports podcast, you know, Football Bromance. Uh, and that kind of grew very fast as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pat McAfee, you know, um, <laughs> me and him are actually little, in a little uh, conversation still and, and you know, exchanging stuff on the digital, digital space. Yeah. And um, I told him, you better come over this time because he told me last time he wanted to come over and play a ping pong match against me <laughs> in front of a whole crowd. So 
so uh, he checked checked a hands with me at the Super Bowl. Um, but um, yeah, it just kind of happened. Talked about it, and you know, I love talking about football. You know, it's just, this, I don't know. This was always my right. Uh, my love, you know, sure. at 12 years old, I fell in love with the game and, and then never stopped. Now I can't play it anymore. Um, I don't want to coach, you know, so I, I, I like to just be involved, obviously talking about it and, and analyzing stuff. And um, yeah, now I've been doing this, I don't know, like six years now, mm-hmm. five, six years. And um, it's been amazing. So yeah. the amazing. as you said, the so the international games, you guys actually get to those, and you broadcast those games live at the stadium. You know, Germany yeah. last year, and then, of course, the London games the London in, in games. years past. Right. And then you, you go in and you broadcast the, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, you come make that trip, and you broadcast the Super Bowl yeah. live in person. But tell me about the atmosphere of a game, of an NFL game actually played in Germany, and how that compared to – the atmosphere and the crowd and the energy of games that you played in and games that you've called. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it had to have been just completely different atmosphere and excitement for that oh, yeah. game, right, from, a, mean, from a crowd standpoint. I mean, look, I'm going to explain it. Like just my, 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 usually, my usual Sunday is like I'm going to the TV station. Uh, it, it has been in Munich. Now they're switching TV rights to different TV stations. Mm-hmm. But I travel to Munich, and then I sit in a TV on the, like in a TV studio, and I look at the monitor and I commentate the game sure. based off what I see on TV. It's nice, but it's not the same feeling as being in the stadium, feeling the crowd, right? Like having this atmosphere. So, like you said, we do the international games and we do the Super Bowl live in the stadium for the fans. And every time you have a chance to do that, it's it's amazing. But Till this point last year, we only experienced the Super Bowl and the international games, which are like the London games, which are amazing. But the Munich game topped it all. I'm telling you, <laughs> for, us, for me as a German, as a former German player, yeah. being able to see that, it's been, it was an honor. You know, it was like, I was like, I, was, I don't know, it was like a holiday. And, and just how emotional to see how far the game has come in my country, you know, where I'm from. And um, seeing the whole journey of it, and I commentated. I was the analyst at that game uh, for the TV station, and the crowd was exceptional. It was, it was nothing like I've seen before. Uh, I'll be honest; it topped all the Super Bowls. I've been to the five Super Bowls and commentated. Wow. And obviously, the Super Bowl is a different kind of crowd, right? Yeah, it's more yeah. like the event. It's not like the fan bases are like fully packed. Of you know, you have like fifteen to twenty thousand people from each team there, and the rest are kind of like the VIPs and the sponsors and stuff. Yeah. But the, like last year, like the Seahawks and um, the Buccaneers, the crowd was just filled with all kinds of merchandise, and the, they they were just celebrating this games from from the beginning till like hours after the game. Like they had to kick out the fans out of the stadium to clean up because the fans just enjoyed it so much. Because I can tell you, yeah. The, the German game, once they sold the tickets, right, like in the Allianz Arena uh, from Bayern Munich, they had like 74,000 tickets on sale. As, when, when it came out, the waiting lines, like two minutes into, like, they're, they're, they're putting it online, there were like 700,000 people on the waiting line on Ticketmaster. Wow. So wow. after that, they sold out in a few minutes, and they said this was the biggest, the second biggest event after the Super Bowl for Ticketmaster. And we was like, what? This can't be true. So this created another hype that so many people just wanted to be at this game mm-hmm. and so many people were disappointed in not being able to go. It's so hard to get a ticket for these games. It's like a gold ticket, you know? It's mm-hmm. like a Super Bowl. And this is, for, this is crazy for everybody who hears this because no event in the U.S., it's like it's just besides the Super Bowl. Right. You know, that to be, like, you have to pay a lot of money to get there. Like, it's kind of impossible to get tickets. And, uh, and man, it was amazing just to see the crowd. They were, they were like, you know, uh, singing Sweet Caroline. You saw that. You know, every, every, every American who's involved with the NFL saw the whole stadium singing Sweet Caroline. It was like a concert. Yeah. Like, it was, it was doing the two-minute drill, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were kind of like, you know, having the finishing drive with Tom Brady on the field, and they would start singing Sweet Caroline for like 
the whole song, and, and the stadium literally paused in the two minute drill, and the players were just looking up, enjoying a concert. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And it was crazy. Like, I've I, I never seen that. I've never seen it at any game. I've never seen it with the Colts. I've never seen it at Florida State. Of course. I've never seen it at away games. We played, you know, with the Colts, we played everywhere. You know, we played yeah. with all these great stadiums with great fan bases, but you've never seen it because. You have so many home games the fans can go to, but this one game last year was a home game for all of Germany. Yeah, you know? like been, and it's it's the home game they've been waiting for a long time. So the London tickets was the closest you know um, game they can go to. They're already tough to get the tickets, but the German game beat the London tickets now. You know yeah. to get a tight ticket, and now we have two games in Frankfurt. Um, it's a smaller stadium, so I guess it's the same way that you know, it's going to be even gonna tougher. Be yeah, it's going to be. Uh, hey, if you got, hey, if you get some tickets, let me know. I'll, <laughs> <get some> tickets. <laughs> I'll let um, you. I will let you know. I will do my best. Right? No, that's really, that. it's awesome. Like I think, like I said, the Colts uh, fan base. I think. Uh, hopefully, I can only suggest the Colts nation who wants to travel. It's a great trip. You know, I like it's it's gonna be worth it. It's it's different. It's just different, you know. So everybody who has, I guess, the time to do it, I would suggest you to do it. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a very and especially Indiana who has a lot of a uh, lot of German That's right. heritage. You know, there's a lot of people who have a you know, a great great grandmother from Germany or a great grandfather from Germany. So That's it's right. kinda it's a pretty cool experience, I think. No doubt about it. That's well said, well put right there. Bjorn Werner is our guest. Now, you, you talked about, I mean, there's no question that the popularity of football in Germany is there because of what you just described. I mean, that's why the NFL is going there in the first place, Bjorn. But why, maybe give me a, a handful of reasons on why you think American football became so popular so fast in Germany. I think, I mean, it did start with some of the NFL players who made it. I was one of them. But there was uh, Sebastian Falmer who won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. Mm -hmm. um, there was uh, uh, Marcus Kuhn, a defensive lineman with the Giants. Um, Kasim Adabali, defensive lineman with the, with the Saints. At one point, when I was still with the Colts, we had six German um, NFL players. And obviously, me being a first round and Sebastian Falmer winning uh, the Super Bowl a year after. Do you remember when we lost in the AFC Championship, Deflate Gate? Yep. Oh. That was the year, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? The, yeah. They won the Super Bowl. Correct. So that was in my second year. So the, the the first, I guess, German player who literally grew up in Germany and, and went over, won the Super Bowl. So those two stories, being a first-round pick and having him win it, it was a huge media, um, yeah, a huge media story, you know, within two years. And then the TV station, ProZine, kind of, uh, they they had the games in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, but then they kind of jumped on and said, you know what, let's do it every week. Let's let's not just show the the playoffs in the in the Super Bowl. Right. Let's show two games each week in the regular season and try to build it. So it's a it's a combination of the the the, um, the TV station taking a risk, but also like the German players at the same time making it to the NFL and 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 creating some news for the German outlets. Yeah. So that's that, that I think is the 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 starting point but then it kind of took a own dynamic like the fans just liking the game even more we taught them even more the people who are on tv started to tell them more about this the sport that is so, so different from from soccer you know obviously hey, football you know i mean if you say soccer over here they're gonna <laughs> they don't like it it's football you know mm -hmm. but uh for, for our interview with soccer and um you know soccer has become just a it's so much. You see so much soccer, so many different tournaments, so many Champions League, uh, Bundesliga, all these things. And I, I feel like the Germans were just ready to see something new and fresh. You know, it was right. one of those. It was just time to, for the sports fans to see something new. And and uh, it's a normal time over here. So the 1 p.m. game is like a 7 p.m. Uh, p.m. game for us, and the and the and the uh, 4:30 p uh, game, right? The p.m. game is like. 10:30, so it's like uh, six hours. Yeah. Um, obviously, the playoffs and the Super Bowl is going to be very late for us, but the Super Bowl has like over two million viewers in the middle of the night, you know. And that's that's across. Um, we have the Game Pass, we have the TV station, we have the Zone. So I think there's a total of 15 to 20 million NFL fans who know who know it, you know. So wow. that's out of yeah, we like what like 84 million uh, population and. 
there's a lot of people, no <laughs> doubt, a lot of people knowing the brand, the NFL. Right. They just did a great job, I guess, marketing. Um, For sure. The last two, the last like year and a half and two years, they now have an office here in Germany because they see how important the market is. And since obviously the the, the office kind of took over, there's even more marketing within the country. Uh, for these for these for these games and for the brand, so you can just see how it's growing even faster now. Mm-hmm. It's becoming mainstream. It's not like this small sport on the side. You know, like it's really becoming a mainstream um, sport in the, in, uh, here in the in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. in Germany. And uh, at the same time, more kids starting to play the game. You know, because they're getting inspired, they're getting motivated, they fell on they fall in love with the game, and that's kind of like the that's the big goal, right? To right. kind of inspire the next generation to, you know, play football. So, Well, like you said, I mean, the Colts and, and Patriots uh, coming over there, uh, the second of two games played in Germany this year after a game was played last year in Germany in 2022. Both games are going to be played in Frankfurt, Bjorn. It's about a four-hour drive from where you grew up in Berlin. Like you said, I mean, you, you highly encourage Colts fans to make that trip if they can swing it. Um, tell us, what's the city of Frankfurt like? What, what do you like about where that game is being played? And, and maybe a handful of things to uh, check out about the city if, if some Colts fans from over here are uh, contemplating about making that trip in November. You know, the, the beautiful thing about Frankfurt, or I guess Germany, is Frankfurt has the biggest airport in Europe. Uh, it's very easy to travel from anywhere in the U.S. to Frankfurt. But the good thing is in Germany... You can hey, rent a car for a weekend, do a long weekend, yeah. and just drive around that area, right? Because that's it's a beautiful area outside of Frankfurt. The city, the city itself is kind of like a banking area, a banking city, right? So like you know, the Deutsche Bank is there located. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very American-like city where like a high a skyscraper and stuff like that. But you you can see so many cities and smaller towns. What obviously the beautiful side is from Germany, like the old towns and stuff like that. You can kind of feel it. Um, but I mean, the the whole city is just transforming. That's the, that's the interesting part for me. The whole city is kind of transforming into this whole football vibe, you know. And, and it's just kind of amazing to see that for for me as a German guy who yeah. who uh, been to Frankfurt, but you know nobody cares at all like a few years ago. And now, boom, the NFL is going to be here for like two weeks. All of a sudden, like <laughs> everything is like branded. Um, there's this huge, there's this huge NFL football right now in the middle of the of the middle of the uh, the city right now they're just there now they just put it there as a, as a, as a marketing right it's, it's it's crazy you know and you know yeah that's definitely uh that's part of the trip tick i think when you when you're talking about that trip and uh what's enticing about going over there um lastly bjorn uh, maybe maybe put on your coaching hat here, or you know your former player hat, your GM hat. What, what advice would you give to to teams like the Colts and Patriots making that trip to Germany? Right. I mean, how much time do you think they're going to need to get acclimated and adjusted body clock wise to be in a position where they can play at the highest of levels? Like, how how much travel time and lag time, if you will, on the front end of that trip would you? suggest for for those players i mean i you know i know the i know that the Colts franchise been to london already mm-hmm. and um i think they moved uh, they, they came in on a thursday that was kind of like the thing right and uh, early on people right. were, the whole team was staying for a whole week and then somehow somebody figured out i guess it's more uh, uh convenient i guess a better recovery time or like you can be more ready to go when you travel on thursday uh come in late you know stay away because it's it's seven it's six hours instead of five hours from the London game, so I guess the Colts have kind of advantage. Uh, I don't know who's all still involved. Who I guess when was the game? Like 2016, yeah, two thousand sixteen, correct? Sixteen, yes. I mean, uh, it's been a while already. You know, time is flying. So I don't know how many guys are still on the team who've been through that. But uh, I mean, this is kind of you know depends on depends on the franchise. What kind of moves they're doing? Like, yeah. are they going <laughs> to try to enjoy the? The week a little, you know, coming early, but I feel like like even last year the teams were coming in. I remember the Buccaneers uh, came in on that Thursday night, or like even a Friday, and mm-hmm. the Seahawks came in Thursday night. So one team, I think the Buccaneers came in like Friday. So you know what I'm saying? Like they came even, uh, they they didn't want to do this whole long trip. So I guess it was a business trip. Um, right. At the end of the day, it's still a business trip, but I can at least say I think it's a 
special memory and experience for players who are able to play overseas. Because mm-hmm. I also know from my time in the U.S., I've, I lived there for 12 years, a lot of Americans never make it outside the country because the country is so big. So to be able to play an NFL game overseas and because it's your job, you know, you're able to do that and they yeah. give you this experience, I mean, just soak it in. Just soak it in. I mean, even if, even if it's just one day. Right. Also, I mean, at least they're, they're, I, I know the franchises. I know the Colts and the Patriots are going to give the team at least an afternoon off to just do something to be around the city. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think to combine work and, 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 and leisure is, is pretty cool. Yeah, you know? that's, so. that's, that's it for me, what you just said. That, that's it for me. I mean, I don't know when in my lifetime, Bjorn, uh, when I'm going to get to Germany. So to be able to travel for – you know, work so to speak, but then also take in an NFL game at such a unique, in such a unique environment. I mean, that's that's unbelievable for me in terms of that opportunity. Lastly, wrapping up here with you, I gotta ask you because you are you are an analyst now, right? You are an expert. So what what do you make of the Colts now, Bjorn, under Shane Steichen and hey. the uh, direction they have now at quarterback and Anthony Richardson? What's your level of optimism in Germany about the Colts going into this season? I mean, let's, let's, I'm going to be honest right here. Yep. Uh, obviously, because I play for the Colts, and, and that's always the question I get also from the fans and, and from the journalists over here. Uh, it's been a rough patch. It's been a rough patch, you know, since at, at the quarterback position since Andrew kind of left, right? So I'm excited. I'm excited that the Colts uh, took Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. It shows a lot of potential, like everybody in the U.S. kind of said that. Even though he's a Florida Gator, because I'm a Florida State Seminole, but still, <laughs> he has... He has so much potential, you know, and, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do early in the season and the, the, the growth he's going to take. I love the I love the interviews I'm seeing from him. He's, he seems like a very humble guy. Obviously, I can just see from outside looking in. Uh, he seems very humble, and, and, and that's the approach, you know. I mean, that's just, I, I've been in this, in this spot not as a quarterback, but as a, a former first-round pick. <laughs> there comes a lot of pressure with it, right? When, they, when you perform, they love you. When you don't perform... They hate you right away. That's part of being a professional athlete. You right, have to kind right. of deal with it and, and learn with it too. You know, like, and and I'm very excited. I'm I'm hoping. I'm really I'm, I'm really hoping that he has a very good rookie season. That he's going to come over. I think it's week ten, right? It's week ten. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's going to come over here and and give the give the pages a good battle. You know, as a quarter because obviously that, at the end of the day, that's the most important position. I mean, just just to feed on you, you know, just to feed the Colts nation a little bit. I know Colts and the Patriots already don't have a love relationship, right? It's a hate relationship. <laughs> so, but to be in Germany where the Patriots, it's very important. It's a very important market, right? The Patriots is one of the teams, one of the four teams that has the marketing rights here, the, the international marketing rights. They, they're going to do everything to obviously just spread out and, and say, hey, the Patriots are here, yeah, finally. Yeah. They, they've been... I'm telling you, Robert Kraft's been waiting for this a long time, and now he got it. And I'm just saying, it would be nice if the Colts, you know, the, the Colts have a great opportunity to kind of ruin this whole yes. honeymoon, you know? No doubt. So, but, yes. but the Patriots are always a good team, right? Mac Jones and, and, and Billy B, they always kind of mm-hmm. have a good team. So it's going to be a nice battle. I hope Anthony Richardson, like I said, and Steichen, who's obviously a quarterback guy, an offensive guy, I'm excited for it to see, you know? Right. And, um,. You know, at the end of the day, it's been a long time, but I always kind of have a place for the Colts, obviously, in my heart because they, they gave me a lot. You know, they gave me the chance. My two girls grew up in, in Indianapolis, were born in, in Carmel, Indiana. And uh, my wife, it's just, there's a lot of a lot of memories. And um, it would be cool to see you guys come over. And hopefully uh, I'm able to, you know, analyze this game or commentate this game. If not, I'm definitely going to be at the stadium trying to be there um, because we have two games, and it's kind of always the way the, the NFL network, uh, like our network, mm-hmm. uh, kind of says, okay, you're going to do this game, you're going to do this game, you know, because we have more guys. So hopefully I get this one. Well, I mean, Maybe certainly you can, you can throw your weight around saying, hey, I, hey let's, <laughs> look, look at me. Like, this is where I come from. This is my team. So this sad. is the game I need, right? Come on. That's what I'm saying. I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> I play for this team. Isn't this a good story? <laughs> so, I, hey, I'm excited for you. I'll be honest. Like, you, like everybody who's able to travel. Very much. Not the, whole, not, not the whole coach staff is going to be able to travel because I know there's so many people involved behind the scenes as right. well. 
And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure not every single one can go, mm -hmm. but even for the people who can go or who are thinking about it, who have the chance of going, do it. Yeah. That's a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's going to be a nice crowd, and it's different. It's going to be a different crowd. I know these two games in Frankfurt are going to be wild again. They're going to be special, you know. They, again, they, it's, it's like... It's like 46,000 people fitting into the stadium, but it's a very nice, compact stadium, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's going to be a very... I mean, just look at the Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga team. They have one of the craziest fan bases <laughs> yes. in the Bundesliga. Yes. When, when they have a game, the stadium is almost on fire, you know? Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's wild. So I feel, like, I feel like it's that kind of model or like that kind of energy is going to transform also into the yeah. football fans who are going to come in there. Uh, there's a lot of tradition in that stadium, right. so I'm excited. Bjorn, you're just a natural man. I mean, you have so much. You have great energy. Uh, you're obviously a great I'm just speaker. Excited, man. Yeah, I'm just excited. This is this is amazing. Indeed. Well, it's it's great to talk to you again, Bjorn Werner, former Colts defensive end, drafted by the Colts in 2013. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Thanks for squeezing us in with the time difference. Uh, great interview when you played for the Colts. I'm glad that hasn't changed. And uh, I hope we can track you down in November when we make that trip, when the Colts travel to Germany, Bjorn. I hope we can do something in person or at the very least connect over the phone in case you, for whatever oh. reason, don't get that game, right? Yeah, for sure. I hope you guys don't ghost me once I'm there. So, hey, guys, I'm knocking <laughs> yeah, on the door. Yeah. And you're like, no, yeah. guy. He's, yeah. he's not letting me in now. That's what I we do. Yeah. As on the phone. No, just kidding. <laughs> hey, have, have fun. Hey, have a good, good season. Uh, and then hopefully we see each other. In November. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the time, Bjorn. Thanks again for everything and continued success. Thank you. Likewise. There you go. Bjorn Werner from earlier today. Fantastic conversation back here with Lara and JJ. Here's one of Bjorn's highlights from last year, by the way, from German television. I think that was from the, the Bills Dolphins. Bills Dolphins on a scoop and score. <laughs> that was great. Fumble, fumble recovery by Miami. Mocked Einen fumble und Erleitz Einen touchdown. I think wow. was the play by play nice. right there. Wow. Yeah, scoop and score. Ein play by you. play announcer. <laughs> I, I can't wait for you to make that call in, in, in a Colts game, you know? I got um, to go. It's, it's a little dusty. I got to have a little refresher course. Bring a thesaurus over there, but yeah. Four years in German, and and Bjorn Get just your a later good hosing, dude. buddy. This yeah. is great stuff. And speaking of broadcasting, how about Matt Ryan? Lair announced this week he's going to uh, be working for CBS in studio and calling a couple games next season. If we know anything <laughs> about Matt Ryan, it is that any opportunity he is presented, he will absolutely crush because he not only has immense football knowledge. But he also has a fantastic personality. He's engaging. He's dynamic. Um, he has a great way of communicating. He is just incredibly likable, and he'll create such a fun energy and dynamic with the other guys. I'm, I'm thrilled for Matt, and I honestly think, like, People watching are going to get smarter because of Matt Ryan being mm -hmm. in a broadcast booth or in a studio. Yeah, I love it. There's always a lot of value for these broadcasting entities to hire former athletes, especially quarterbacks, because they're so smart. The guys that just recently left the game because they come in knowing the players on the field because they just played against them, right? They know the coaches. They know the schemes. They know the players. So from that angle, man, it's, uh, it continues to be a slam dunk for Matt Ryan. All right, Larry, you got one? Random <laughs> thought of the week. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. You guys going out of town? You know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas mileage? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Lay it on us. All right, I've been traveling a little bit of late, so I had this thought that emerged. And uh, so there's a episode of Sex in the City, and I know that most probably of this listening audience won't have much familiarity with it, but Carrie Bradshaw... Miranda. Oh, there you go. Miranda is one of the key characters. Samantha, Miranda, Charlotte, Carrie. Yeah. Carrie Bradshaw. Wow. Yeah. And then who are the guys? Do you got you oh, get a little there's big. Yes. Um, and then the guy that was like the big carpenter guy. Yeah. What was Aiden his name? Shaw. Aiden, yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, You're yeah. impressing me right yeah. now. Well, it's, it's I get it on the peripheral. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was on, but 
I didn't watch it, but it was on the. I, I got enough. Yeah, yeah. I got enough. You know your Manolo Bonics. You can you can <laughs> go toe to toe with the best of them. So she discusses something called her SSB, her secret single behavior. And when I've been traveling, or if I'm at home, Dan's out of town. What is something that you look forward to when your spouse, your kids are either out of town? Or, you know, you're in a hotel, like when we're on the road traveling, that like you have the hotel room, you have like a whole evening to yourself. Like, what is it that you most look forward to? Nothing nefarious mm. here, guys. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to anger Betsy and Sam here on this, but I'll go ahead and I'll lead by telling you guys mine so you have time to mull yours over. But I will always, if I have like a night at home or if I'm on the road and I'm like door dashing or picking up carrot or something, I really enjoy getting Thai food because my husband is not a big fan of Thai so I'll get like a heaping container of pad Thai with chicken and extra veggies like a kind of like on a moderately hot level Mm -hmm. and then um, I also have like if I'm at home solo on like a Friday when Dan's camping or doing doing something um, I'll get a particular I really like barbecue chicken pizza and I have two spots where I'll go get like a salad Barbecue chicken pizza. And Dan doesn't like barbecue chicken pizza. Um, I take he's, it. He's like oh, he's normally like he's kind of like a solid like pepperoni guy, you know. So, uh-huh. but it's just yeah, it's like I, that's my my thing that I enjoy. And then I'll usually like come home and um, you know binge watch episodes of Sex in the City or Friends <laughs> or something. And then if I'm at home, not on the road, I'll usually spend my Saturday blasting aggressive 90s rap throughout the entire house <laughs> on like the uh, on the bluetooth speaker while i clean oh wow and drink copious amounts of coffee can you clean without that like is that part of the routine now oh absolutely like it, yes if i don't have like yeah. something like blasting in my ear like you know like lil wayne particularly yeah. i have like, to like cut like, grass or clean the house with headphones on yeah like i have yeah. to have that if, yeah. if not i just like okay i'm, I'm not doing this. this yeah exactly uh, i love cleaning the house with some peace and quiet Oh no! no I, gotta I, have got, I gotta I have peace something. and quiet. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't get like it's. If I, I get I a time to get peace, peace and, quiet, and quiet, distracting. Oh God! I thought it was, and then I had three-year-old boys, and I'm like, oh, peace <laughs> and quiet's the best. Okay, so what is your SSB though? What is so, something you look forward to do in complete solitude? If I'm at home, and let's say, because if if the kids are asleep and Betsy's out doing something or she's away, uh, if it's nice out, I'll go out. We just put a projector on our patio, and I will go put a projector, oh, pull wow. it down. And I'll pop on MLB TV. I don't even care what game it is. I'll just pop on a ball game, sit out there with a cold beer, watch the ball. The game. Big Boy Mowers Bowl, particularly. No, 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 baseball game. I oh, I'd love, I'd love to, but that's in the winter. I can't watch a Big Boy Mowers Bowl, so I guess I can watch a replay. So wait, oh, wait a minute, cool, yeah. cool technology there. So you have a screen, like a, like yeah. a, a drop down so, screen. Yeah, or? we, I installed a projector screen on our patio. Oh and wow! Then a, like hung a projector from our patio ceiling. It's kind of covered. So, so uh, is it like weatherproof? Rain does really not get in okay. to the patio because the patio faces south okay. and is covered. So it works out great where I can just drop the projector down. Um, you know, I cover it a little bit. Is that like a remote control? Like yep. No, oh. no, it's not a remote control. Oh, okay. I, I got I to get a step stool to pull it down. Okay. Um, well, cool. So I'll do that. If cool it's nonetheless. Cold, if it's cold out, though, I'll go to the basement. I'll pop on the N64. I'll uh, I'll play a little NFL Blitz. Oh. Nice. Uh, Classic. Classic. Maybe, maybe pop in a little Star Fox. Shout out to Homage. They have an NFL Blitz collection yeah, on the website, and I have I would, the Jonathan Taylor t-shirt, and it is le- I get compliments I, on it all the time. I can't look at that because I'll so lose good. so much money it's, on it. It's so good. Um, but yeah, that, that would be it. And then like food-wise, there's not really anything. But if I'm on the road and like we're not going out to dinner or anything, I'll get in the hotel room and I'll pop on The Simpsons or Archer. Mm. <laughs> Two shows that I love watching that Betsy, there's no way she's watching those with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She thinks they're stupid, which is fair. They are. But they're great, in my mind. So I would probably just uh, hang out. If it's a nice night, I'd go outside, listen to classic vinyl on Sirius XM. Or, you know, bring out a, a six-pack. Or I might the actually... The JMV Takeover, maybe, no, on a Saturday? No, I'm not doing that. No, that is... You talk about eccentric. I am not doing that. Um, there's, Shout out to JMV. There's, a, there's a handful of good stuff, but some of that stuff's too deep for... I mean, that that's the whole genre that I just completely hmm. skipped over, like late 80s, early 90s. Um, but I might also too. I, I'm going to call it something, but it's really not. Uh, I might just go to. I might go picking. I call it picking 
Um, but it's it's really more just like I go try to find like cool vintage stuff. Oh, at like a flea market. Yeah, I don't I don't ever get a chance to do that. Like I love going to these little pop up stuff uh, at, at flea markets or places. Is like there that. something that you found on one of these picking excursions oh, yeah. that you're particularly I, like, proud of? Like you know, I'm a go for like signs. Yeah. or like collectible IU stuff. paraphernalia yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, you know, depending on what part of the state you're at in. old school Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, like yeah. something like, like or ten, another, like a pennant. Ten, ten signs, yeah. pennants. Uh, records. Pokey Reese jersey. Yeah. <laughs> no, like a good record collection. Like you find the best records, vinyl records at, at, at places like this. So maybe I might go to one or two places like that if That's I have an cool. entire afternoon off. I love that. Yeah. What is your SSB? Listening to the Colts official podcast and watching Is it some putting old... steak on ra- or ranch on steak? <laughs> Please let us know. Gary Cook, by the way, loyal listener, uh, Gary S. Cook, agrees with you, Maytay. Oh, really? He tweeted at us. <laughs> I got your, one. He tweeted, at Maytay Colts, one. your co-hosts could not be more wrong about ranch on a steak. What do you put on a steak salad? Come on, man. And then I, he tagged Lara oh, and I. blue cheese. I go blue cheese dressing on a steak salad. I just I mean, feel I, like I put this, like a vinaigrette, but you know. This, this take is not that strong of a take. Again, I've been, I've been up front the entire Did, time. Okay. Medium cuts of steak, and it's not every time, but just a little dab of ranch. I'm telling you, folks, I'm it's trying, not that I'm bad. I'm trying to find this because I did a poll recently. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, it was it was not uh, favorable <laughs> to to Matt <laughs> I, Taylor. I didn't think it would be. Um, here it is. Let's see the results of this poll that I ran. Do I have more than one person that agrees with me though? Ranch on steak? Question mark. Three hundred and three votes. Four point six percent of respondents said yes. Oh wow. Ninety five point four percent of respondents said no. See, there's people out there like minded. My favorite response. This little dab will do you. Favorite right? response I got to this, by the way, was from at Colts fan Cole on Twitter, which was just a picture of Hank Hill rubbing his temples, <laughs> and like you all know the sound that he was making in that, like oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, we. Uh, that, King the Hill, another show I'll watch in the hotel. That's it. That's it. That's all we need right there. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. JJ and Lara, they're done ganging up on me on ridiculous food takes. Okay, I'm sorry. It's done. It's dead. It's buried. We'll have something else equally as stupid coming up next week. I'm Matt Taylor. Keep enjoying this great weather here in the month of May, and we'll talk to you next weekend before Memorial Day in Indianapolis. You all know what that means. Until then, have a great rest of the week, and we will talk to you next time on the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. So long.